very good again to have everyone out this morning as we continue to study God's Word. Um, we're continuing our study on the Sermon on the Mount. This is going to be part three, and we're dealing with the Beatitudes, so this will be part two, because last week we, we started with the Beatitudes, but we weren't able to finish. And so this is part three of the Sermon on the Mount, but it'll be part two of the Beatitudes. Sean this morning read the verses that we're going to go over this morning, and that's going to be verses 7 through 11. And so Jesus tells us to be merciful. Happy are the merciful. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And of course, when we looked at the Greek word there for blessed, we know that that Greek word there means happy. And so you, happy are the merciful. That word merciful comes from the Greek word eleamon. It means compassionate, actively compassionate, merciful. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, Peter's going to ask Jesus a question. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but unto the, until 70 times 7. And so Jesus is saying that if, you're, if your brother uh, seeks forgiveness, do we forgive everyone who sins against us? No. Notice what Jesus says in Luke's account. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee, you rebuke him. So we have a duty to do to those that sin against us. We have to rebuke them. We have to bring it before them. But notice that word if. And if he repent. Forgive him. Repentance is required for forgiveness. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day turn again to say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And so we must make it known to the offender, the, the, the offense. If we don't make it known, they don't know that perhaps they sinned against us. But repentance, as we have, have noticed, is required on their part. Once repentance is shown, then we must forgive them. Is saying I repent necessarily enough? In Luke chapter 3, verse 8, when John is there preaching in the wilderness that, that the kingdom is nigh, He's telling those people in that day, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Just as Jimmy had presented in her le his lesson this morning, how the Jews were glorying, bringing their glory before God because they were the chosen nation. Well, if we are truly uh, want to be servants of God, then we have to bring forth what? Fruits worthy of repentance. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's look what John tells in verses 10 and 11. And the people asked him, John the Baptist, saying, What shall we do then? What, what can we do that would be worthy of repentance? He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And the, he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Well, if it's repentance, that means that wouldn't be their normal characteristic. These people were selfish. 
And so Jesus saying if you're, uh, or John, John the Baptist, sorry, he's saying if you're selfish and you have abundance, give it to those in need. Have that change of heart that produces a change of life. In Luke chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, well then came also the publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And they're like, well, we need to know what we need to do that would be worthy of repentance. And he said on them, exact no more than that which is appointed you. And so what does it tell us about the publicans? Evidently, the publicans took more than what they were owed. They took advantage of the people. And so they're, they're told to only collect the taxes that are due. Luke chapter 3, verse 14. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, and what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. So what is he saying? You don't intimidate those. You don't false accuse. And you can't be content with what you earn. So evidently they were using their status to also take advantage of others. And so these are things that are worthy of repentance. True repentance can be seen. It's more than just saying, I'm sorry. True repentance can be seen. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. We're going, to, we're going to see how, in this parable, how Jesus is teaching about being merciful to others. Forgiving others. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take an account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. And so a servant of the king owed a great sum of money. The, the, the king is going and he's, he's looking at what's being owed. And now he's starting to go and collect on those debts. Matthew chapter 18 verse 25. But for as much as he had not to pay. So the servant hadn't paid him. He didn't have the money to pay him. His Lord commanded him to be sold. And his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. And so the king is what? He's going to sell him as a servant. He's going to sell his wife, his children, everything that he had, he's going to sell so that his payment can be made for his, his not paying the king. Matthew 18, verse 26. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. The servant had not paid. He humbles himself before the king and is declaring to repent because he wasn't paying. He was going to repent and pay him back. That would be a, a fruit worthy of repentance. Matthew 18, verse 27. Then the Lord of that servant, that's talking about the king, was moved with compassion. He had mercy on this man and loosed him and forgave him the debt. King was going to take everything that he had from him. And then he had compassion when the man said, I will pay thee. And he forgave him. But it noticed it came after the servant was willing to repent. He was, he was like, I've done you wrong, and now I'm going to make it right, and I'm going to pay thee back. But the forgiveness did not come until the man what? Repented. 
Matthew chapter 18, verse 28. But the same servant went out, the one that just was forgiven his debt, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. What remember from our lesson last week what true humility is to yield? Gentleness. Is he being gentle with his fellow servant? Taking the man by his throat and saying, you're going to pay me what you owe me. Matthew chapter 18, verse 29. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And so we're seeing the very same scenario where this fellow servant is humbling himself before this servant, and he said he too would repent and pay his debt. Will he be forgiven? Matthew chapter 18, verse 30, And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. He refused to forgive him. Matthew chapter 18, verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. They weren't tattletellers. They saw a great injustice, how that he had received mercy and how he was unwilling to, to give mercy. And so they made the king aware of his unwillingness to forgive. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 32, Then his Lord, after, they had, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. And so why was he wicked? Matthew chapter 18, verse 33, Shouldest not thou also had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? He was wicked because he had no compassion. He had no mercy. He had no pity. Verse 34, and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. His previous debts that were forgiven were no longer forgiven. Because now he's saying, I'm going to deliver you to the tormentors and you're going to pay me back everything that is due to me. Matthew chapter 18, verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Think about that a minute. If we're unwilling to have compassion, Jesus says it's going to be just like the servant that showed no compassion and all his debt was not forgiven. God's going to put all those past sins back on our account because we did not show forgiveness to others. When we obey the gospel, God forgives all our sins. Equivalent to those 10,000 talents. However, when one sins against us, their sin against us is equivalent to what? The 100 pence. How can we seek forgiveness and not be willing to forgive? 
Now, this came from, uh, we use a Power Bible CD, and, and when you're going in there, it, it gives you very good information. So a talent is 750 ounces of silver at 111 cents the ounce, okay? So that's a dollar and 11 cents times 10,000 talents. So his debt to the king was about $11,100. Just gonna keep this so we can see the difference. The pence is the Roman penny is the eighth part of an ounce, which after five shillings an ounce, a seven pence half penny, it's equivalent to about 14 cents. So he owed $14. Can you see the difference? He was forgiven $11,100, but he would not forgive $14? And of course, that's in our, our terminology. It, they didn't have dollars, but... So 11,100 is our sins against God. See how much greater that is than one sin against us. Not being merciful, God's not going to have it. When he shows us mercy and we won't show others mercy, God's not going to have it. We must be merciful. James chapter 2 verse 13. What is James giving the warning? For he shall have judgment without mercy. Well, how is he going to have judgment without mercy? They have showed no mercy. And mercy rejoices against the judgment. And so, again, if we're not showing mercy, God's not going to give us mercy. So if we don't, if mercy is receiving what, uh, not receiving what we earn, and we don't get that mercy, then we're going to receive what we earned, Right? Which means, what's the wages of sin? That's death. So all those past sins, you see how it, it just translates with this parable? All those sins that were once forgiven, God says, you show no mercy, I'm putting them back on you. You will be tormented. We must have compassion. We must have mercy. Point number two this morning is the pure in heart. The pure in heart. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. The psalmist writes in Psalms chapter 24 verses 3 and 4 Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? He that have clean hands and a pure heart who have not lifted up his soul on the vanity nor sworn deceitfully. And so the ones that are able to go to heaven are going to be those that are pure in heart. What does it take to have a pure heart? In Psalms chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? It's almost worded, almost the same as Psalm 24. He that what? Walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. After obedience to his gospel, one is purified. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Peter writes, Seeing you have purified your souls, and we'll, how, well, how do we do that? In obeying the truth. Through the Spirit, under unfeigned love of thy brethren, see that, that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, Paul writing to the church of Corinth, he says, And such were some of you, he had just 
listed these hor horrible sins, and he's saying, and such were some of you, but your sins have been forgiven. So you're no longer like that. You're no longer those terrible things. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. How were we washed? In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, the writer writes, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from what? An evil conscience, and our bodies washed with what? Pure water. Baptism lets one walk uprightly with God. We are no longer in that fallen state any longer. Because we are obeying the truth. We have had our sins washed away in baptism. And now we are upright before God. How does one remain pure? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, John says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And so, in order to remain righteous you have to do righteous and so working righteousness keeps one pure first john chapter 3 verse 8 here's the contrast he that committed sin is of the devil for the devil sinned from the beginning for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy destroy the works of the devil and so if you don't want to be pure for god commit a sin if you commit a sin, you're no longer of God, but you're of the devil. From the invitation on Wednesday night, why were the children of the kingdom cast into fire? Remember, we, we read about the judgment, and it said it was going to judge the quick and the dead. But then we noticed that it also said that he was going to judge his kingdom. And so that really kills that, that man-made doctrine out there, once saved, always saved. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 41, the Son of Man shall send forth his angel, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. And so lastly, that person that was pure, it said one speaking truth, or is the devil the father of? If we speak a lie, we speak of him. John chapter 8, verse 44, and Jesus is talking to those hypocritical Pharisees in that day that were wanting to come and put him to death. And he says, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your fathers will you do. He was a murderer from the beginning and bowed not the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. When we don't speak truth, we're speaking a lie. If we speak a lie, then the devil is our father. Does this mean that we must be sinlessly perfect? It's not what Jesus is telling us. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Okay? We were, before the obedience to the gospel, we were the, the children of the devil. But once we obeyed that and became pure, we became the children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. 
for we shall see him as he is. Okay? That's our hope. Our hope is that when Jesus appears, that we will be able to be just like him in heaven. And every man that hath this hope, well, that's our hope. What are we to do if we have this hope? In him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You purify himself. For the Christian, after sinning, there, there are actions that must be taken in order to be pure again. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it takes admittance by our part. It takes us what? Humility. To become humble again and say, I've done wrong. What I've done is contrary to the word of God. And so we have to ask for forgiveness from God. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 22, when Simon the sorcerer was wanting to buy the, the ability to lay his hands on to, to whoever that he laid his hands on, they would receive the Holy Ghost. And Jesus, I mean, Peter rebukes him for it. This is the rebuke. He says, Repent, therefore, of thy this wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. And so repentance and praying is, is required. Just as we had seen that before we were forgiven of our sins, what's in the plan of salvation? Repentance. We always have that in the plan of salvation, repentance. Well, before we can be forgiven of our sins, we must have that repentant heart. Well, after we obey the gospel, in order for future sins to be forgiven, we too have to repent. We have to repent before it will be forgiven us. The king forgave when the servant repented. If we have the hope of being like Christ in the judgment, we must strive to be pure as he is pure. Why? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for what? New heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. You know what that tells me? God's not going to allow the sinner in heaven. He's only going to allow what is righteous, what is pure. Point number three this morning, peacemaker. You must be a peacemaker. Now we've already studied how we're to be uh, gentle. We're to be as much as possible peaceful to all men. I'm going to take this probably a little different than what most people would take this, but peacemaker. We are to be peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Well, who are the peacemakers? In Romans chapter 10, verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that what? Preach the gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. When we're told to put that arm in, we're to shod our feet with the gospel of peace. They are those who preach and teach the gospel of Christ. And who is this peace going to be with? In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul writing to the Romans, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, when we were washed, we were justified, we were sanctified by Jesus Christ. That's what we had just looked at, at being pure. 
And so our faith, the obedience to the gospel has justified us. And through that we have now peace with God because we are no longer enemies of God. It's our faith in the gospel that justifies us putting us on peaceful terms with God because our sins and debts have been forgiven. Remember, every sin is against who? God. Romans chapter 5 verse 9, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. And so obedience to the gospel puts one in contact with the blood of Christ. We escape the wrath of God because of the grace of God. And how will the lost be saved? How will those outside the blood be saved? Romans chapter 10 verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so they have to call on the name of the Lord in order to be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It's God's design that preaching be done, teaching be done, so that the lost can come and call on the Lord. You must hear and believe what you've heard, therefore someone must preach it to the lost first. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul is telling the Corinthians, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Well, earthen vessels are humans. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so what's this treasure that Paul is talking about? In verse 4, listen to what he says. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That is that treasure. It is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, it is this treasure that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is the power of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, uh, Paul says, um, He talks about the preaching of the crosses to them that, that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. But it's the preaching of the cross. Right? Also in that chapter, if you keep reading, he's going to say that God chose the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. What does calling the name of the Lord mean? Many people are going to say, Lord, Lord, right? Well, what did Jesus say? We're going to get to that when we get to chapter 7. But he said many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, have I not confessed in thy name and done this and done that? That's not what calling on the name of the Lord means. In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, this is the conversion of Paul, and he's retelling of his conversion. This is Ananias speaking. And now why tearest thou, arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So for him to call on the name of the Lord, he was told to be baptized. In Acts chapter 9, verse 6, when Paul is uh, confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he, trembling and astonished, said, this is Paul speaking, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? 
And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into a city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. When he got to the city, Ananias said, Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord is doing what God requires for salvation. How about on the day of Pentecost? In Acts chapter 2, verse 21, when Peter is delivering that great sermon, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, watch. And now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Just as Paul had said to the Lord, what, what will you have me to do? These men, when they heard the truth, when they heard what they had done to Jesus Christ, they said, what shall we do? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter's going to tell them. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, in order for your sins to be forgiven, that happens at baptism, yes. You have to have repentance, just as we have seen. You've got to be merciful. Uh, God's being merciful on us. He's requiring us to repent. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word, talking about Peter, were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so the ones that received the word gladly were baptized and were added. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So when it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, when they obeyed the teachings of the gospel and they were baptized, God added them to the church because they were now saved. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. I may have to just finish with this point. We may finish the Beatitudes part 3 next week. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so he gave the ability for man to become children of God, but they had to be born of God. What are the peacemakers to sow? In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. We are to sow the word of God. That's the seed. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Peter says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It's through the word of God that we are born again because it tells us what we need to do in order to be born again. How is a peacemaker to remain a child of God? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Well, why? For his seed remaineth in him. Well, what's God's seed? It's the word of God. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. If we have the word up here and we don't have evilness, we're not going to sin against God. And so that tells us that he must be a doer of the word, not just a preacher of righteousness. Remember Ezra? In Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, for Ezra had prepared, he had prepared, not God, 
Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach in Israel's statutes and judgments. But Ezra prepared himself to do it first. He wasn't going to be a hypocritical preacher. If he was going to preach what you needed to do in your life, he was going to make sure that he was in line with it as well. We're going to end, end uh, uh, this morning. Uh, next week we'll look at persecution. That's my, uh, I think that was my final point this morning. But uh, we'll go ahead and stop it. Stop it there. And so, as we have seen this morning, God is going to show you mercy. That mercy is by obeying his gospel. It starts by hearing the word of God because that is the seed. You have to know the seed in order to be born of God. You have to know the seed so that you can live a life that is worthy of repentance towards God. You have to know the seed so that you can remain faithful to God. And so that's how our faith comes, Romans 10, 17. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews 11, 6. That faith is in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. See, on the day that Jesus told them they were of their father the devil, he was trying to prove to them the very fact that he was the Son of God, and they were denying it. They were calling Jesus a liar and blasphemer. We must truly believe in our heart that he is the Son of God. It's from the teachings of the Word of God that we know this. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. The reason why the miracles are, are printed in this book is so that we can have faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then we must, that the knowledge that we gain from the Word of God, we can see the errors of our way, and that leads one to repentance. Without repentance, we cannot have our sins forgiven. Without repentance after that, our debts are going to be back. Uh, if we don't show mercy to others, God's not going to show mercy to us. And so without repentance, Jesus says we will perish. Luke 13, 3 and 5. You can be baptized, and if you refuse to repent, God's, God's not going to save you in the end because you have to change your way of life. Then you must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, if you believe it, why not confess it? When we look at this next week, we're going to notice that it's more than just confessing him. It's more of professing him. You keep telling people about Jesus. You keep spreading that good news of Jesus Christ and his, his kingdom. And then you must allow someone to immerse you in water for the remission of your sins. That's how you are cleansed by the blood of Christ. Romans, I mean, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. That's when you have your sins washed away, Acts 22, 16. That's what puts you into Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. At which time, as we have read this morning, you're added because now you are saved to his church, Acts 2, 47. But God requires us to live faithful until death. That would be Revelation 2.10. He expects us to have that change of heart and to be merciful. And so that's part of it, showing mercy to others, because we don't want our past sins not to be forgiven anymore. Perhaps we have stumbled along the way and we have left God and we've went back into the world. God is so merciful that he allows for us to repent and to come back to him. He shows us his love, compassion, mercy, and grace every day that we enter this building and we hear an invitation given. But 
let you be known, if you ever have a change of heart during the week, his invitation is 24-7 because he is that merciful. And so if there's any that need to respond, if you'll come to the front, together we sing the song of encouragement.